2: this week's podcast is about the creation of the John Westumlin Rose, and it's believed to be the first rose named after an ethnic minority, Briton. A campaign for the rose followed an article by We Too Built Britain's Zara Zadie in Horticulture Week last year, and this has created a groundswell of support for the new rose. I caught up with Zara and Harkness Rose's David White to discuss the significance of the rose and the story of John Westumlin himself. i'm today with david white and zara Zadie talking about the john astumlin rose now zara is that how you pronounce it
1: almost you're almost there john (laughs) Astumlin.
2: david what is what is the rose for what's it about so
0: for for us the rose is about inclusivity it's about actually creating a rose that anybody can actually grow it's about bringing people together it's about bringing the, the whole community together in terms of getting involved in gardening and it's about making sure that people understand it's, it's gardening isn't just for the white sort of middle class effectively it's to actually bring everybody in and actually the whole point about this rose is we wanted to create a rose that anybody can grow you can grow it in a pot you know if you've got
2: a big garden if you've got a small garden if you've just got a patio you can grow this rose anywhere. Amazing and Zara, from your point of view what is this rose about?
1: Well, I grew up in Wales until I was 16. And, you know, I am uh, of ethnic minority heritage. And I would look around, clearly I went to school like everybody else, but I did sort of try and discover a bit about my heritage and the sort of heritage of people who'd come to Wales from different countries. And I knew about John's story. And what what resonated with me was that he was the first um, black man, well-recorded black man in North Wales um, he married Margaret Griffith, and together they were probably the first interracial marriage. Um, but the main thing is, their story survived because it was told by the community. Um, you know, he found love and a life in Wales, and, and the story just resonated with me. Yeah, and I felt it needed to be wider known.
2: David, tell me a bit about the breeding behind the rose. It's, uh, it's, it's yellow, I can tell you that. What else can you tell us? Okay, so I'd, I'd, I'd like to take a, just a little bit of a step back. So
0: heartless roses, about 15 years ago, started a completely new process. So they, So when we breed roses, we plant them out in the fields and we don't spray them with any form of fungicide at all. We also don't remove any roses that get any sort of fungal disease. So the idea is that after seven years, the roses that we select have been through a really tough process. And the roses that come out of the other end of it, we know are absolutely nailed on top quality varieties. And and from an initial probably 40,000 seedlings that we have, seven years later we'll select no more than three roses out of those 40,000 seedlings. So this rose has been through, it's actually been through eight years worth of testing. It's a compact sort of floribunda shrub. It's got a very citrus fragrance. It's incredibly healthy, very repeat flowering. It flowers very early. It actually, uh, it starts in late late May and it will flower right the way through to the the first frosts. It's suitable for growing in pots. It's suitable for growing in beds. It's suitable for growing in borders. And actually it's just a really good rose. And it was really important for us. We think this is a really important story. We think it's a really important thing for us to be involved in. And the one thing that we wanted to make sure that we gave it a quality of rose that would actually match the interest of the story.
2: So we've heard about how good the rose is, but what do you hope it's going to achieve, Zara?
1: I think the representation element matters. To our knowledge, there's never been a rose named after an ethnic minority Britain, and often, when you do these sort of national campaigns for firsts, it's often not one of the nations like Scotland or Wales. And here you have a Welshman, and a Welshman who was a gardener, who was a florist in the original sense, who loved to grow flowers. Um, And isn't it lovely that in reaching out and trying to make gardening more inclusive, you've got someone who you know found solace in gardening like so many of us have during the pandemic,
2: now, David, you're quite passionate about the uh, roses um, connection with community gardening, and what's that? I think
0: as a as a as a business, we've become quite isolated over the last eighteen months. So we do Zoom meetings, we do Teams meetings. We've stopped going out to meet people. Our garden centres were closed for, for for four months, five months, six months. So we were delivering to people online and actually we lost that connection and I think there's you know I'm quite lucky I live in the countryside I've got a garden there's lots of people around who don't have access to that and they don't have access and during lockdown there was lots of people who really struggled with their mental health because they were living in flats they were living in and and the lack of community engagement in gardening is it is really wrong. and what happened with this rose it took on a bigger significance for us because it actually suddenly made me realise that we wanted to be involved in a wider community project in terms of actually just getting people gardening. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your ability is, actually it's about discovering the joy of just touching the earth.
2: Zara, what about the public impact this rose is going to make? Because I think it's going to be pretty big.
1: I think it will be. And, and also when we were thinking about the significance of this, um, I talked to Anna, Frankie, David at Harkness, and we wanted to say that this rose is almost a gift. It's a sign. It's a symbol for friendship, love and community, because that is what, what John's story represented. And it's just to try and bring people together. And also, it's, it's almost a homage to the gardening community that I know and love that are so communal. We know that, you know, outdoor activities, gardening can be so good for your mental health. We saw that during the pandemic and we just want to harness that a bit and through this rose and its message, get more people involved in gardening, but also get gardening out there. You know, I was talking to politicians and said, you never think about these sort of activities when, you, when it comes to social cohesion. Um, as David said just now, you know, planting something in the soil that you created, that really connects you to place. And we all need a sense of belonging. Um, and you know, I hope this brings people together mm-hmm. and, and we, we need more kindness in this world. We need mm-hmm. that symbol of friendship and community.
2: We do indeed. The Horticulture Week are a minor involvement. Can you tell us what Horticulture Week's involvement is?
1: <laughs> it wouldn't have happened without horticulture week and a certain matt appleby do you know who he is <laughs> well so i am um, uh it's it's a long story but i randomly was talking to a friend of mine at god 2 a.m in the morning on twitter dm and uh i said look i'm hearing all these stories about lack of inclusion in gardening lack of diversity um, racism and gardening and countryside um <laughs> Stories on why I think minority communities do not like gardening, and I said I just want to tell the story of all the all the history that has been inclusive that we may not remember. Um, and I was telling my friend, I said, "There's there's a Welsh gardener that I've always I've always loved his story. Um, uh, should I should I approach a journalist? And this certain Matt Appleby took the story the next morning because I wrote it in the middle of the night." published it and then and then it just took a life of its own. you saw it was shared by people um people were calling for a rose for john for John, and then it just you know before we knew it we had a campaign
2: no you've certainly been a force of nature getting it out and about there so david how how many do you think you can grow what what sort of um numbers are there out there so uh let me I, I, just
0: before I answer that question one thing i I got it's very rare. Yeah. That I get an email that just really excites me and makes me really interesting, and I got uh, I got the email that said, "Would you mind doing a rose?" And I think my answer was really simple. It was yes, and that was it. I think it was just hi, yes, kind regards, that. because it was such a fascinating story. So this, this this variety we've actually got for autumn this year, we've got about two thousand nine hundred. Uh, ready for sales. It'll be ready for for dispatch. In probably mid November. For next summer, we're produced in, we're producing some from uh, from cuttings. So we'll have another batch ready for the Chelsea Flower Show. Because our plan is that whilst we're we're launching it now, we're going to introduce it again at the Chelsea Flower Show in May next year. So it'll be a key part of our of our of our Chelsea exhibit. Um, and then for next autumn time, so for the production that we've done this summer, we will have, depending on the, the grade output, we'll have somewhere between twelve and 15,000 available for autumn 2022, spring 2023. And I've already spoken to a, uh, to, to my, I've got two really good sales guys who deal with independent garden centres. And I've already spoken to them and they are really excited about getting behind the project and actually making it available through the 250 garden centers that we deal with throughout the UK from
2: autumn, 22 onwards. Fantastic. One final word from you, Zara. Um, Can you sort of sum up the whole experience you've had in the world of horticulture?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's been joyous. It's such a welcoming community. and I think my highlight was meeting David and the team at a Chelsea Flower Show, and you just—I tell you what—this campaign shows that we take each other for granted. Sometimes you just have to ask. Sometimes you just have to sort of build these connections and do things together because we, you know, so we we live in difficult times. We live in polarized times, and um, but we each. as as individuals or within our groups, have the power to change our immediate environment. And the horticulture community, particularly led by Harkness, have just embraced this. Um, Thanks to a certain editor called Matt Appleby. Um, Yeah, and um, I look
2: forward to doing more. Make sure you never miss a Horticulture Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hort Week podcast via Apple iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts.